This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 podcast, Ring Before Spring. We're talking to Kendall Kout. Kendall, it's uh, been a week or so since we've done one of these, and uh, we got some good stuff to talk about. A nice 3-0 start for the Baylor Bears, uh, sitting atop of the Big 12 standings. Um, LJ Cryer's uh, shooting the last two games. We can we can touch on that. But um, uh, VJ Edgecombe, we got a pretty good recruit. Have you heard of this guy, VJ Edgecombe? Has he crossed your radar? You know, I did come across him. Uh, I was just, as a nerd of basketball, I was watching uh, some high school basketball, and I saw some guy I'd never seen, and then he pulls out a Baylor shirt, so that was pretty cool. That <laughs> was fun. Uh, beat some good programs for him, Duke and Kentucky. That's uh, not something that you can say often for any school, but, um, you know, I think uh, obviously sh- shows where Baylor's program is and in the minds of elite basketball prospects, and that's a pretty fun thing to have happen to your alma mater. Absolutely. And I think this was one you called pretty well, Ashley, because I think Baylor always felt really good with Trey Johnson. And yeah. hey, is he going to recruit? Is he going to commit to Baylor? Um, but just from the beginning, you know, you were kind of always throwing a little bit of cold water on, I don't know, something seems a little bit different here. Whereas the VJ Edgecombe one, the national guys for a long time were saying, Duke's got all this NIL money. They've landed everybody in the class. He seems to like Duke. It's going to be Duke, 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 Duke. And then Baylor wasn't going to be able to get him on campus again before he committed. And for Baylor to get him after the Trey Johnson situation, I think it's great for the Bears. And, you know, you can kind of get into spin zone about who do you like more. But there is kind of a path dependency, I think, sometimes with recruiting. And sometimes this has been something that's overinflated Baylor prospects. LJ Rose comes to mind where you're ranked number one or two or you're ranked as a high four-star guy as a sophomore. Then you don't seem to get any better versus other guys that kind of jump up late like a Rob Wright, like a VJ Edgecombe, Torian Prince, obviously, when he was in high school suddenly jumps up late at the state tournament his senior season. Uh, I think Edgecombe is going to be a better professional player than Trey Johnson. Uh, I don't mean that to be a slight to Trey because he could be a really good player, but I think take away the legacy thing, this is the guy that Baylor would certainly prefer to have, and I think he's going to be a better player than Trey Johnson. I think they got the best guard in the class. Yeah, I I got some insight talking to his coaches today, and you know the main the main insight is that I always got the vibe with Trey Johnson – not not from Baylor coaches, but from just people that I've talked to in AAU circles and, you know, people that were close to Trey, that he was always kind of, you know, leaning towards Texas because of the bright lights, the party scene. He's a guy that likes to party a little bit. You know, that's fine. That's, you know, a lot of college kids want that. Uh, but, you know, it's not really Baylor's culture. I mean, it's, you know, they, they have a culture that's built on hard work and, and, you know, eliminating distractions, spending a lot of time in the gym, getting better, becoming pros. I mean, that's that's what they've kind of built their, you know, championship culture on. And, you know, I think it's it just couldn't have worked out better because, you know, Trey's a guy they targeted for a long time. He's probably going to be a terrific college player and a terrific pro. But um, you want you, you got a guy like that, maybe not, you know, kind of a quiet guy, you know, body language had some issues. I, I noticed, you know, in games that, uh, you know, you just seem to, you know, uh, get frustrated easily, you know, kind of turn on teammates at times. And VJ's the opposite. VJ's, I, I think, another Jared Butler, another Ish Wainwright, you know, he just one of these guys, Jacoby Walter, you know, similar kind of kind of of the similar uh, build and. I just think it's, you know, the guy that once he got on campus, once he visited, you know, Baylor went all in on him. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's it was a wise decision. And I think we're going to see the fruits of that next year. And I think he's going to be 
a guy that maybe pays dividends for the program for 25 plus years because or longer you know because he's going to be a guy that really buys in and, and wants to come back and you know even if he's only there for one season uh he'll be a guy that really you know com- continues to invest in Baylor like some of the greats have been in the past so I'm really excited I think it's I think it's terrific and I think this team next year is shaping up to be a championship team uh, but we, we also have a team this year that I think is showing remarkable improvement on the defensive end wouldn't you agree with that much better performance against Cincinnati than Baylor had played in a long time and the only guy I thought who took a step back defensively was Jaden Nunn, and he'd put together so many great games on tape. Right. But I did think the game against Cincinnati was a really positive takeaway on that end of the floor. Yeah, I mean, it was good. And, and you know, even against BYU, that was a hot, little bit higher possession game, but you hold a team that can score a lot uh, to 72. You beat them by nine, 1.06 uh, points per possession. That's good. Cincinnati, you know, that was a typical, you know, Big 12, first one to 60 uh, is going to win type of game, and and sure enough, the Bears were the first to sixty. You know, I mean, it was a point in that game. You know, early on, uh, in the in the early third, you know, third, uh, well, third quarter. I mean, you know, the first part of the second half is what I mean to say, where you know Baylor I think falls down seven, kind of similar against BYU too, but then that you know atmosphere in Foster just really lifts the team. They get a they get a big run. They end up going up nine with like two or three minutes left, and you think, okay, this game's going to be, uh, you know, put away. It's going to be everything's going to be good, but um, it was not to be that way. <laughs> you know, uh, Cincinnati responds with their own run in about a minute, a seven zero run. But the Bears made plays down the stretch defensively, and it was really encouraging to see. They hold uh, Cincinnati to zero point nine four points per possession. I thought uh, Jalen Bridges, even though he didn't score a lot, was terrific on the glass. He was really good defensively. Josh showed a lot of great activity. Um, you wouldn't really want him to take that, you know, 17-foot jumper that he took. But uh, other than that, I thought he was terrific. And, and you know, it was just a great win. You know, Langston Love scores. He, he's the only one hitting his threes. Jacoby, even though he wasn't hitting his threes, he made big plays down the stretch. Ray J was fantastic with nine assists and two turnovers. Uh, just a big win for the Bears. And, and you know, they, Cincinnati's a good team. And, you know, there's going to be games like this where you don't shoot well from three – and if you can grind out a win in other ways, when you're when you're five for twenty from three, uh, just like they were didn't shoot well against Oklahoma State, those are those are you know so valuable because last year's team probably would have lost that game nine out of ten times. Yeah, I think that that was just an incredible performance by Baylor, as you mentioned, the second half deficit where Baylor is able to come back. Uh, Josh Ojan Luna rolling to the hoop so well. I thought there were so many positive takeaways from that game compared to how Baylor responded against Michigan State and Duke that uh, made me really happy for the Bears. Yeah, and I think their defensive efficiency goes from like 72 to 57. That's progress in the right direction. Uh, so hopefully they can put everything together and have some of the terrific alpha offensive outputs that they've had and then, uh, you know, get that uh, to go with with a really good defensive performance. And, you know, that's, that's a recipe for beating teams by double digits, and I think they're capable of doing that. I mean, it's not going to be easy. You know, a lot of these Big 12 games are going to come down to – the last possession or the last you know couple minutes, uh, so they got they go on the road Kansas State tomorrow night. Uh, we've been talking before we started rolling the pod. I you and I had intended to go to this game, and I was going to pick you up in Kansas City. Uh, all was going to go well, and we were going to have a good time. Just uh, you know talking about uh, past Baylor greats like uh, Dra- uh, Dragon uh, Sakeljika or however you pronounce the name, and um, you know. I, but 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 it was not to be. The weather's uh, pretty dicey. You know, we got some freezing temperatures we got precipitation 
And uh, as I texted you, they're old pilots or bold pilots, but there are no old, bold pilots. I, I, de- I decided not to go, and I think you're kind of on the fence, too, because of some pretty uh, bad weather in uh, the Kansas City area. That's correct. Weather has been absolutely awful here about the last week, so we'll kind of see what unfolds. Um, but only chance to play K-State in the regular season this year, and with 14 teams probably in the Big 12 tournament as well. So after an 0-2 campaign against K-State last year, certainly game Baylor will have circled. Yeah, you would think so. And, you know, I think uh, maybe it'll affect the crowd. You know, I think there'll probably be a pretty healthy amount of students there, which is really where the energy comes from. But uh, I would think, you know, uh, fans from the Kansas City area might be reluctant to to come, you know, for the same reasons you are. And uh, so hopefully that crowd will be a little bit uh, emptier than normal and and not as rabid. And uh, hopefully that gives the Bears, you know, a couple points advantage. Absolutely. And, Decent chances is the final game. Jerome Tang coaches against Baylor mm. as the K-State head coach. Yeah. Well, all the openings this offseason, on top of, I think, Jerome Tang not being very happy for Baylor folks who didn't follow, Naquan Tomlin was either going to be their best or second best player entering the season. Uh, he gets into this legal snafu where there are about 8 million rumors about what exactly happened. Tomlin sits as a suspended player for a while, then he's supposedly going to be cleared to come back as his legal trouble gets resolved with a diversion in Riley County, which is the county that Manhattan is in. And then suddenly the university president announces through the athletic director that they've decided to not allow him to return to K-State's basketball team. Tang has said, oh, you know, we want to all be one voice and all together. But it seems there's a little bit of disunity between the university president and Jerome Tang. Louisville is almost assuredly going to come open with whatever's going on with Mick Cronin at UCLA. That could come open. And so if you're asking me right now, I don't think, Jerome Tang will be at K-State for more than this season. Yeah, I mean, especially if he makes the tournament. And, you know, I think you also have to kind of keep an eye on the Texas job because uh, I don't I don't know if Rodney Terry is going to get another year if he if he misses the tournament. And they're certainly, you know, putting putting a resume on paper as if they want to miss the tournament after getting uh, beat by West Virginia. And I will say, actually, I don't know if – I remember when I posted, I think right after that Louisville game, I said – Texas is not making the NCAA tournament. And a bunch of people are like, oh, what are you talking about? You're kidding. Louisville's actually much better than you think. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're absolutely an insult to basketball. <laughs> I don't understand why Louisville continues to be thought of as some great job uh, because Rick Patino had that as one of his nine jobs he's been at. But I think that's a very overrated job. I think it's much better than K-State, but I think it's still overrated. And if you need an absolute last-second shot to beat Louisville earlier in the season – and your best non-conference win is against Ken Palm number 82 LSU, and you have a lost West Virginia on your schedule, I just don't see a path to the NCAA tournament for Texas unless they suddenly get really hot. Right. And this is not a roster that strikes me as it's going to suddenly get really hot. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know, man. The, the coaches are so good in this league. I'm just really a cynic of starting two guards that are under six foot together. And, you know, I, I know they list uh, Max – Asmus and um, Hunter as a six foot, but they're not six foot. You know, I think I think you're telling me Kenny Cherry and Lester Medford aren't walking through that door. (laughs) It's a similar deal. I mean, Baylor had their struggles when when they played two small guards together. And last year, we all know what happened. Uh, You know, and Adam was at least over six foot. You know, he was six two or six three. Uh, But you know, I think Houston's a similar deal. You know, Houston and Texas are trying to play two guards under six foot now Jamal she you know shed is really good 
and really tough. And, and LJ obviously can shoot the lights out, although I think he's on something like a – oh, I mean, it's like a, a four for, you know, 24 streak from the field or something crazy. Like he's the, – in those two losses, he's he shot the ball really poorly. Um, so they're, you know, obviously scouting him and not getting, giving him good looks, but, uh, and, and from three, I think he's, you know, a, a pretty low percentage too. I'm, I'm going to look it up just, uh, cause I was looking at it earlier today. I was like, Whoa, this is pretty bad for LJ. Yeah. He's one for six from three on against Iowa state. And then he followed yeah. that up at TCU. He was one for seven. So he's on a two for 13 streak from three. And, and, and I think he was solidly number three in the Ken Palm Big 12 player of the year race. Now he's not top five. Yeah, yeah. He, he put he put two pretty bad games offensively together. Um, you know, I was, I was looking at all his averages, too. He's averaging less minutes. He's averaging slightly less points. Um, he's averaging, you know, lower percentages from the field, lower percentage from three, you know, through uh, 16 games. But the good news is the schedule gets a lot easier for Houston than than it did in those first sixteen games. So at least at least they have that to hang their hat on. Yep, they got something for him there. That was I joke. still think Houston is good. <laughs> yeah, no, I <laughs> no, I got you there actually. Um, this is I and sorry, I just am like Houston's a team that really confounds me. Where they have such close results against teams that are good. And playing at Iowa State, TCU's not bad. I think they're much better than Texas. And so, no shame in losing close games to those two teams. Yeah. And I think they're getting punched in the mouth moment. They, I can't remember if it was like 14 nothing, but I was watching that game before the Baylor game came on when they went to Ames to open up Big 12 play. And it was pretty clear that there was a massive jump from the teams they'd played to playing at Iowa State. Right. And so, I think they could maybe right the ship. And so, I don't know. I mean, this also kind of feels like one of those years where maybe – Baylor, KU, Houston, and BYU all end up like 13-5 and five and split the league. I think that's a possibility too. But I, I do think starting out 0-2 does not behoove Houston if they want to finish 15-3 and three or 14-4. and four. I just don't see them being quite as good as Ken Palm thought Houston was earlier. But I do still think Houston on paper might be the team Vegas would certainly say is the best bet to make the Final Four. And I think they still are a Final Four good team. I think Houston's very good still. Yeah, they are. They they got some tough road games ahead. They've got obviously they come to Baylor. We don't have to return that game. That's that's nice. Uh, they got to go to Oklahoma. Oklahoma plays really well at home. They've got Cincinnati on the road. That's that's going to be a hard win, place to get a win. They've got uh, Allen Fieldhouse. I've I've heard that Allen Fieldhouse is tough tough place to get a win. Um, they also go to Texas. Uh, Texas, you know. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll beat them there, but and then BYU. So, they, so they go to the toughest venues on the road. Um, they do have Kansas State at home and don't have to go to Kansas State, so they avoid Manhattan. But uh, you know, it's you're, they're going to take a lot of losses in those locations. Uh, they don't have to go to Texas Tech, so they avoid that as well. Uh, they do get Texas Tech at home, but um, you know, the point being, there's there's probably plenty of road losses ahead for them, and as offensively challenged as they can be at times, it's possible they drop some at home as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they they do win the league. But uh, I agree with you; they they're probably a team that has you know a chance to go deep in, in March. Uh, we we know they're going to be tenacious defensively, and and their and their metrics are terrific defensively, and even in the losses, they played good defense. But uh, that offense is you know kind of hit or miss. It is. And so I don't, I don't know kind of where to stack them up. And then 
KU is going to have to figure out if they can get any play at the two guard. Obviously, relying on Arturio Morris to be their two guard entering the season was not the best move, um, given he is not likely to see a basketball court for some time right now. So that's where KU struggles. BYU, I think, it's still a really good team. They might still sneak in there. And then, uh, you know, I'd, Texas Tech now is up to 30 on Ken Palm. They've started 3-0 like Baylor. Uh, they steal one game in Lubbock against one of the Big 12s, what I think is a little bit better teams in Baylor and KU and Houston. Uh, you start thinking maybe they can get it done. So I think the race is wide open right now where I'd put all those teams, and I'd say Tech has an outside shot to at least split the league. And what a phenomenal year for Grant McCaslin. I'd be pretty shocked if he's not Big 12 coach of the year. Yeah, he's a great coach. We know that. I, you know, it's the thing about Tech is I just don't know about, you know, they, they beat Kansas State at home. They get the, the big road win at Texas. You know, they got a win against Oklahoma State. So so they have the tougher games coming up starting Wednesday at Houston. Um, and then they got to go uh, – they got BYU at home. Yeah, I, I, my my skepticism there is what's going to happen with Pop Isaacs. You know, if they lose him, they've already lost a player to injury. I just don't think they have enough uh, depth to, to, to compete for the league title. I, I think it's going to come down to Baylor or Kansas, maybe Houston. I don't see BYU winning the league. I, you know, BYU uh, drops that home game to Cincinnati. That's a tough one to lose if you're going to win the league. But we'll see. I mean, it's they Cincinnati. I mean, BYU's got depth, and and I think that uh, the teams that have some depth are, are going to you know really appreciate that when they make the turn in the second half of the uh, Big Twelve season. Uh, Kansas State's a team that doesn't really play a lot of guys. They against Texas Tech, they only play six uh, over ten minutes. Uh, they did play a couple guys, you know, f- four minutes and two minutes um, uh, to, to round out their their playing rotation, but but pretty much rely on six guys. And, and they play their starters heavy minutes. Uh, they got Tyler Perry. Um, he's good, but he's a shorter guard, not not the greatest athlete in the world. Um, and, you know, he's he's solid. You know, he's 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 definitely a guy that you can't – you got to focus on on the scouting report. Cam Carter is having a terrific season. Arthur Kaluma has been a good piece from Creighton. And then they play, you know, uh, David Negesson. I, I think he, – didn't he start his career at Oklahoma State, if I'm not mistaken? It's a safe bet to just assume anyone started their career at Oklahoma State, <laughs> given the number of transfers they've had. So I'm not going to fight that. It's saying Virginia Tech. I thought, okay, I'm 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 getting mixed up with somebody. Uh, Virginia Tech, and then he transferred to to Kansas State. Um, I thought I thought he was at Oklahoma State originally. I have to look that up uh, later. And then and then Will McNair, a big guy from uh, well traveled. You know, he's a transfer. Started in New Mexico State. Miss ended up in Mississippi State for a year. Now he's at Kansas State, so he's an older guy, 6'11", 265. Uh, good shot blocker. He blocked five shots uh, the other night. So, you know, he's a guy that um, you definitely have to respect. He's he's number uh, – he's top 100 in block percentage. So, you know, I, it, it, I mean, they, they've got some pieces, but they don't have a lot of depth. You know, Baylor hopefully can – when they go to the bench, can can take advantage. You know, maybe Langston will have a, a great game because – you know he's coming in against tired players, and uh, you know hopefully hopefully the Bears can can uh, get a big road win in Manhattan, and and uh, you know Drew can get you know even that uh, record in Manhattan to one and one against Tang, and and um, then they got a big game Saturday at Texas. Always good to beat Texas, and and can really help put the nail in the coffin of Texas NCAA hopes if they if they get that win. Absolutely, and Tyler Perry, as you mentioned, actually the UNT transfer. Really been a big disappointment, I think, on the season so far. 
had a good beginning to the campaign for the Wildcats, uh, but bad game against Texas Tech. His three-point percentage is down to 33% after shooting 41% each of the last two seasons. They've got to get him going offensively. I'm interested to see if Baylor plays a little bit softer on him and dares him to shoot threes. But as we've mentioned continuously, if you transfer up as a small guard, you really got to be careful with those guys. Ray J. Dennis has been able to, I think, play very well because they can just give him the ball a clear space. And he's got all those nifty moves where he can go up with one hand near the rim. He can back somebody down and hit a floater. He can hit the turnaround jumper. And if you're not those guys, I think just the speed of the game, it's so tough to predict. KU's kind of been hurt by that too with Nick Timberlake from Towson. So the transfer up small guards, it just always make me worried. Yeah, I think that's a, a good statement. Yeah, if, I mean, if you look at the, the the better teams they've played, you know, the top 50 teams, um, he's, he was 4-for-11 uh, against Tech, so that, that was one of his better shooting nights. Against uh, Nebraska, he's 3-for-10. That's, that's okay. 1-for-9 against Miami, and um, then he's 2-for-10 uh, against Villanova from 3. So, uh, you know, he struggled against uh, two for seven against Providence and four for 12 against USC. If you're looking at some other high major opponents, you know, so he, he has struggled shooting the ball against, uh, you know, teams that might you would think are more athletic. He's kind of, you know, done a lot better against the South Dakota States, the Bellarmines of the world, um, you know, has put up some big numbers against weaker competition. Uh, but, you know, in, in the Big 12, it's it's tough to get clean looks and. And um, he's a high volume shooter. You know they rely on him a lot, and you know he's he's a guy that you know is capable of you know five, six, seven assists a game. But but he also turns it over quite a bit. You know he he struggled with the turnovers a little bit. Absolutely, K State should be very primed for this game. Given after that, they get Oklahoma State at home, so you can kind of not get so hyped for that game. But then they have to play at Iowa State at Houston. They're not going to want to be two and three going into those games where you could potentially in league play get to two and four, two and five real quickly to start February. And although their non-con wasn't super weak, I like some of the games they scheduled losing that USC game is not going to help. So I don't think USC is getting much better. Miami does not look good. And so they've missed some opportunities in the non-con to pick up too many big wins beyond Villanova. They probably only played one NCAA tournament team in the non-con. Their Ken Palm metric is not great at 57. Uh, it's a team in real danger of missing the NCAA tournament. So there, that's a win I think you got to get if you're K-State to feel pretty good about your NCAA tournament shot. So not a must win in January, but for K-State's tournament hopes, a game you really do need to win. So I expect they'll bring everything they have for this one. Yeah. And, you know, Baylor, um, as far as their resume, you know, the, that Auburn win keeps looking better and better. Auburn's, you know, just wrecking people in the SEC so far. Florida's been a little inconsistent. They they dropped a game against Kentucky at home. They should have won. Uh, Seton Hall's really helping the Bears. I mean, they, they're winning some big games in the Big East, and, and they look like a, a potential NCAA team. Uh, Cornell, you know, is doing a pretty good job in the Ivy, probably the second-best team there, and you never know. They might might be able to pick off Penn, and and uh, they're they're 3-0 and in the Ivy, uh, or 2-0 and in the Ivy, I should say. Um, so, so I think, uh, you know, that win will will look better, you know, as, as we get closer to the end of the season. Um, you know, it's pretty good resume for the Bears. I mean, you know, they, they've got a lot of games that I know you didn't like, and I didn't either, the uh, Northwestern states of the world, the Mississippi Valley states. But, um, 
you know, they they did do do a pretty good job against the high major teams they played. Obviously, they lost the the road games uh, in quotation marks to Michigan State and Duke, uh, but those two teams are are having decent seasons. You know, I think Michigan State still is a team very capable of of making a pretty strong run. Although they've started the Big Twelve, I mean Big Ten season uh, two and four, which is which kind of surprising. It's weird, you know, they beat us, then they just like you know they go on like a five game winning streak. And then they just, you know, drop a game to Northwestern. It was a road game, but 14-point loss. They lose a close one to Illinois. They blow out Rutgers uh, the other day. They got a little bit easier part of their schedule coming up here. So I, I, think, I think they'll probably have a winning record in the Big, in Big Ten, but uh, they, haven't, they haven't gotten off to the best start. Feels like a number eight seed that beats a one seed in the NCAA tournament yeah, right now. Yeah. East Lansing. Yeah, it could be like a North Carolina situation that we ran into. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we don't play them. <laughs> you know, hopefully, <laughs> if we if we get a number one seed and and uh, are lined up against a one eight uh, eight nine, uh, Michigan State's not an eight nine that you want to see. You know, that's that's not what you want to uh, wake up to in your bracket um, on Selection Sunday. Just like we, you know, North Carolina was a bad draw for you know because of how talented they were the year that we we played them and how banged up we were. Feels like uh, Michigan State beats Kentucky on mm. in a Thursday game out east. I like, it. and then we get to have the narrative about does Cal need to leave, even when he has a great <laughs> season, he can't get it done. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, that could happen. I could see it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's fun time to be a Baylor um, basketball fan. So I, I know I asked you this the last time we talked. Um, are you, when when do you plan to get down to Foster for the first time? I do. I think I'm going to get down there for the KU game. I might only be able to make it down there once this season, but right. I definitely need to see it. And then I can, you know, offer better takes for our proliferating threads on the camera angle. I really did hope when I wrote the story on the website about it, I was like, okay, we got our one final article. We are where we are. Um, but I don't think we are anywhere near done. There's going to be comments all season. But I, I think there, my guess is there will be some change in the offseason, but we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, no, I, I think there'll be change. I, th- I think the athletic department is fully aware of the issues. And, you know, I give them a pass. I mean, it's one of those things you're rushing to get the arena done. Was it an oversight? Yes. Should it be better? Yes. Um, but I could I could see how, you know, they, they you know, thought, hey, let's try to get as many donors close to the court as possible. Let's put the cameras up a little higher. It won't be any big deal. And, uh, you know, you just don't just don't know until you, until you actually do a live production and then you see, you know, Oh, this doesn't look uh, quite like we had hoped. Um, but I'm telling you, man, in person, that place is amazing. You know, I, I I've been interviewing the players in the post game call in shows and, you know, Langston and Jalen bridges and, you know, have both said just what a difference it makes. Uh, I'm trying to remember Eve was the other guy I had in Eve was the same way. He's like, you know, I mean, Jalen and Langston have experience with with other arenas, and the, you know they've been to Allen Fieldhouse, and and they've been to these great venues across the country. And and Jalen's remark was, you know, when when uh, Josh made that dunk on the alley oop from uh, Ray J. Dennis, that you know the floor was shaking, you couldn't hear yourself. Uh, it was it was so loud in there that you know you just couldn't hear your teammates. And he says the only other place I've ever been that's like that is Allen Fieldhouse, and 
I mean, I, it feels like that. It, you know, I, I, I think it's true. I, you know, I think this place is going to be an unbelievable home court advantage for Baylor and probably be worth three to five points per game over the Farrell. And, you know, that's how you win league titles. It's, you do it just like Kansas has done it. You don't lose games at home. Or if you do, you lose one. You don't lose two. And uh, you do pretty decent on the road. You know, you split your games on the road and, and you win the league. That's how, that's how they do it. Yep, the absolutely necessary thing for Baylor. I'm also very willing to show grace for the Bears because they got the arena opened at about the earliest possible time. What was it, 20 months from yeah. starting to construction completed? So they know what's going on. I don't think Baylor has to come out and make a statement. What would their statement be? We know it should get fixed. We're working on it. We wait until next season. If it doesn't get fixed next season, then I think it's very fair for everybody to say, all right, this is this is not good. But I'm willing to give certainly grace. That was kind of what my article was about. Yeah. And so I think there will be something that changes by next season. But I think that's one of those things, too, that you got to look at a lot of contingencies about how do you fix it. But I think it's something that will get fixed. And who knows what that involves? you got contracts, got a million things. But I don't think bureaucracy will slow the Bears down enough for us to have to think next season. We're looking at the same camera angle uh, for watching replays of Baylor games. Because I'm excited for different camera angles because, man, some of those driving lanes are not real easy to see right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it. it yeah, I can't wait for you to come down for a game because it, it is really cool. And that place is going to be rocking for Kansas. I can see how, you know, once they start bringing these recruits here, it's going to be a tough no to give. I mean, you know how great the coaching staff is to begin with, how connected the team is. You know, you add the facility piece to the mix, and, and that's uh, – that's it, it, it's pretty special. That's that's a, it's a really cool thing. There there's a lot of momentum going on at Baylor right now, and uh, hopefully this year they can win a Big Twelve championship. I think they've uh, obviously put themselves in a good position to do that by going three and zero. You can't get better than three and zero to start the league, and and uh, you know they got some tough road games this week, and if they can win those two, they got a week to prepare for TCU. Can rest up a little bit. Uh, hopefully can can knock the Horn Frogs off in, in Waco. And uh, you know, if you if you split this week or even go two and zero, then then you're you're still right there in in the uh, you know the up at the top, or or at least you know I don't I don't think I don't think Texas Tech's going to get out of Houston without a loss. So um, you're you're at least kind of going to be this week if you go one and one, you're probably going to be you know sharing sharing the league uh, lead uh, rounding into next week. Agreed, and I think Baylor's in a really good spot to continue to contend for the league. You go two and zero this week. You're probably the favorite to win the league. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. But I'm not asking for a two and zero week, and I think that's a lot to ask as well. Yeah, I mean, it's you just see how much parity there is. I mean, I, I was listening to Matt Norlander, Gary Parish's podcast, and, and they were talking about. Um, I think there was eight top twenty-five teams that lost on the road this week, and you have to go all the way back to like 1992, something like that, to to find a week that had that many losses. Uh, from top 25 teams, you know, so it's that that's pretty amazing. I mean, the parity is definitely there. Any any you know major conference, and I mean, you ask Florida Atlantic; it's just not major conferences. You know, you go on the road, and 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 it's going to be you know hard to win games, and you know certainly Baylor's going to have a target on their back in these next two games. But uh, uh, I think this is a team that's very capable of uh, leaving those two arenas with wins and, and Ken Palm favors them in close margins, but uh, you know, we'll see. I think it's very possible too. And I'll, I'll guarantee it right now. Baylor wins on Saturday against Texas. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, you know, with Dylan DeSue back, they're better, but that West Virginia game, that was a tough loss for them. Although I will say this. Now, you know, I don't West Virginia still they shouldn't have lost that game. They they should have gone in and taken care of business. Uh West Virginia's got a lot of defensive deficiencies. But uh, you know, West Virginia, their roster is pretty decent. I mean, I think that when they get Jesse Edwards back, that's a pretty strong rotation. Uh that that Patrick Sumanick um scored sixteen points, Carissa's, you know, starting to hit his threes, Raquan Battle's a good player. Then you got uh, Farrakhan, you know, is capable. That Slozinski. I mean, they they got some pieces. I, I that's a team that I, I'm not I'm not really confident Baylor's going to go in there and just roll them. I think that's going to be a tough battle in Morgantown. I agree. I think Oklahoma State probably goes the other direction where they get weaker during the season. Yeah, where the bottom could fall out. I kind of wonder if White even makes it through the whole season. Right. But I think West Virginia could improve by the end of the year with what you've mentioned the suspensions they've dealt with, some of the other nonsense going on. Unless Huggy Bear comes and launches another lawsuit, I <laughs> I like where they're going to be uh, talent-wise by the end of the campaign. Well, and I mean, you never know. Like, these interim coaches, coaches may start to look for other jobs. They may check out and not, not you know, do their, you know – We've seen that obviously with Baylor football, <laughs> you know, where where you have lame duck coaching staffs and and uh, you know how hard they're working is is uh, you know a fair question to ask. Um, so I, I could see that I could see West Virginia, you know, taking a few losses before that Baylor game and then just saying, ah, forget it, we're we're just you know we're 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 gonna just like uh, mail this in. But but I could also see them. You know, like, hey, man, we got a chance to win, make it to the NCAA tournament. We just got to build momentum, win the Big Twelve tournament, and uh, you know, we have we have the talent to do that. So, I mean, I could I could see their scenario taking place, but I agree with you on Oklahoma State. I, I think things look pretty uh, pretty bleak for them, and, and they don't have the talent that uh, West Virginia has. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment on that front. And I mean, you'd like to win the league this year because once Arizona comes, it's like the league gets even better. Uh, Maybe the worst team in the Big 12 will be UCF and Arizona State battling going forward, but I kind of wonder if this is the end of Bobby Hurley. I know you're a big fan of the Duke <laughs> coaching tree, Ashley. <laughs> yeah, we'll have two next year. We'll have uh, Johnny Dawkins and uh, Bobby Hurley in the league. How exciting is we that? We may have zero, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, fun times. I'm I'm excited about this week and, and uh, seeing how well we'll handle the pressure of the road. I am going to be at the Texas game. Plan on going down there f- for that one. Uh, so I'll see that live, but, uh, well, I, I hope, I hope, uh, the road's clear. I hope you can make it to Manhattan tomorrow, but certainly understand if you can't. And, uh, thank you for taking some time to do the podcast with me, Kendall. Yep. Always a pleasure, Ashley. All right. You have a good night and uh sick and bears. Heck yeah.